Tonight on NJ Spotlight News. Pulling the plug. The Danish offshore wind developer Orsted is out, canceling development of two proposed wind farm projects. What does it mean for New Jersey's energy plan? New Jersey's gonna miss out on benefits that were right around the corner, um, including good local jobs that would have been created in this new industry, reductions in air pollution, and improvements to people's health. Plus, the affordability factor. Democrats hoping recent tax relief gets voters to the polls next week, while Republicans say it's not enough to fight rising costs in the state. So I think for a lot of voters, affordability is a key issue. There are obviously other concerns, but I think a lot of people will be voting with their pocketbook this time around. Also, college campus fears. Some of the students are physically afraid to leave the building. As Israeli forces escalate their ground invasion in Gaza and the death toll rises, students stage walkouts amid a rise in anti-Semitic and Islamophobic threats. And pump the brakes. They know what they're doing is wrong. Congressman Josh Gottheimer and the Fort Lee mayor waged their latest war on the congestion pricing plan. NJ Spotlight News begins right now. Funding for NJ Spotlight News provided by the members of the New Jersey Education Association, making public schools great for every child. RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together. And Orsted, committed to the creation of a new long-term sustainable clean energy future for New Jersey. From NJPBS, this is NJ Spotlight News with Brianna Venosi. Good evening and thanks for joining us this Wednesday night. I'm Brianna Venosi. Offshore wind isn't dead, but two of New Jersey's major offshore wind projects are. Danish developer Orsted is scrapping plans to build wind farms off the coast of the Jersey Shore. In a stunning announcement Tuesday night, the developer blamed supply chain costs and rising interest rates, delivering a considerable blow to the Murphy administration's efforts to cut greenhouse gas emissions and make New Jersey a hub for offshore wind energy in the U.S. The decision comes just four months after the governor signed a law giving Orsted a billion dollars in tax credits to keep the projects afloat and throws a last-minute curveball into the elections, which are less than a week out and will see all 120 members of the Democratic-controlled legislature on the ballot. As senior political correspondent David Cruz reports, offshore wind has become a controversial topic for both Republicans and Democrats who are likely to use this announcement to galvanize their base. The giant sucking sound you heard was the wind literally going out of the sails of New Jersey's clean energy economy. Orsted pulling the plug on its two offshore wind projects dropped a bombshell into next week's elections and threatens the linchpin of Governor Murphy's environmental legacy. This is an I told you so moment. Citing inflation, rising interest rates and supply chain challenges, a statement from Orsted said as a result, we have no choice but to cease development of Ocean Wind 1 and Ocean Wind 2. 
This was not totally unexpected. The company had announced a delay in the project in August, but as recently as September, the governor said he was still bullish on offshore wind and on Orsted. I actually still think there's a good shot that they get this done on time. I wouldn't be shocked if there was a delay, uh, but this is going to happen and it has to happen. But it's not happening. Murphy, who pushed lawmakers to approve tax breaks to prop up Orsted's projects, was not happy to have to eat his optimistic words. Today's decision by Orsted to abandon its commitment to New Jersey is outrageous and calls into question the company's credibility and competence, he said in a statement today, adding that the state will actively pursue legal options to collect a $300 million guarantee from the company. So what does happen next? The first impact could be felt next week at the polls. Republicans were against the project all along, calling it a nightmare for the shore and blaming it for the death of whales and dolphins, despite dubious evidence. Today, they were ready to spike the football and were adding questions. Just when did the governor learn that Orsted was pulling out? And when did my colleagues on the Democratic side of the aisle in leadership learn uh, that Orsted was pulling out? And I'm wondering if they were trying to keep this quiet until after the election. Democrats like Vin Gopal in Monmouth County, stuck between the rock and the hard place of this issue, reiterated that he was a no on tax breaks. He says he wants the attorney general to sue Orsted, too. The administration backed a bad deal, he said. It's not a good look for them. The bill was a bad bill. It's a bad look for them. Uh, and you can't we can't rush into things like this and we can't let corporations hijack us. That's why I voted against the bill. That's why I wish more people would have voted against it. It'll only pass by a single vote. It should teach a very valuable lesson to the state of New Jersey for doing businesses with, with companies like Orsted in the future. And the losers? New Jersey's going to miss out on benefits that were right around the corner, um, including good local jobs that would have been created in this new industry, reductions in air pollution and improvements to people's health, reduction in asthma and cancer rates, as well as uh, economic and energy security provided by the homegrown energy off our shore. Orsted's decision doesn't mean that offshore wind is dead. The Murphy administration says there's lots of interest in similar projects out to bid right now, with the economics of wind projects at least now more certain. Taxpayers didn't lose a dollar, and with $300 million still out there to collect, it's not a total loss. It just feels like one. I'm David Cruz, NJ Spotlight News. The final countdown is on with just six days to go before the general election in New Jersey. And preliminary numbers show more residents are taking advantage of the increased early voting options this year. According to the State Division of Elections, more than 352,000 people cast vote-by-mail ballots as of yesterday. And another 46,000 people turned out in the first four days of early in-person voting, with more voters leaning Democratic. But both parties agree affordability is a key factor driving voters to the polls this year, yet they have very different ideas on how to tackle it. Tonight, we continue looking at issues dominating November 7th's races. For more on that, I'm joined by our budget and finance writer, John Reitmeyer. So, John, Democrats and Republicans both say they're very committed to finding solutions to the affordability issue. But what do they see as the main component of it? Because they're not necessarily in line when it comes to that. 
Yeah, I think that's actually a good way to frame it because I think when it comes to the Democrats who are in the majority right now in both houses of the legislature, they've done a lot of things, whether it's increasing funding for property tax relief programs or doing things like an expanded child tax credit that can actually cost the state money in the long run. It, the state spends money on property tax relief benefits and collects less revenue when it provides tax uh, breaks for different things. What the Republicans have tried to draw attention to is this overall increase in spending that's occurred at the state level under our Democratic legislature and with a Democratic governor in office and tried to make the connection that when you see things in your life like inflation uh, or you know rising interest rates, that those types of things all sort of connect back to the government spending a lot of money. And in this case, they're complaining about the state government spending mm. a lot of money. So I do think that's a good way to frame it whether uh, you're receiving you know, tax credits or tax relief rebates or things like that versus just less spending in general. Okay, so because you mentioned it, the tax rebates, let's talk about the anchor program which Democrats rolled out and a second check was issued just recently. Some folks maybe even still uh, seeing that money trickle in. How does that play into this? Because Democrats' argument is this is direct money into your wallet, um, so not necessarily taken off of your property tax bill like we've seen in programs of the past, but cash in hand. Yeah, and I think this election will be a great test for sort of um, this approach. You know, again, Republicans have drawn attention to we had yet another year-over-year -year increase in the average New Jersey property tax bill last year, and it's now a record high. It has been for the last few years. So Republicans like to draw attention to the fact that those types of costs have been, have been rising during uh, this period of democratic control. Whereas the Democrats have really ramped up spending on these relief programs, now the, the maximum anchor benefit is $1,750 for, for senior homeowners who, who meet certain income qualifications. And so there's actually been two different rounds of anchor payments this year, including those that have just been going out in recent weeks and, and will continue into November. The deadline for filing is actually at the end of December. So uh, this will be a real test because a lot of people are receiving their benefits just as they're getting ready or are even voting early just as they're getting ready to cast a ballot. Sure. So it, it really will be, do they make that connection that this is money that's coming sort of to offset those rising costs or are they just happy to get the money and not necessarily going to vote in a certain mm. way, vote in favor of the party that's returning that money to you and maybe take the message of the other party that's saying, let's hold down costs overall instead right. of doing these costly re, uh, relief programs. Yeah, that'll be the test as you say. but. Should we expect to see this really drive voters? I mean, there's no denying the cost of living has just ballooned um, these last couple of years. Uh, and so should we expect that voters will be, you know, looking at uh, that as a, a key way that they make their ballot and their choice for a candidate? I mean, this is really an issue that's gone back even to the election two years ago for legislature and even the governor had a, a near upset. I think affordability has been a key issue going all the way back. You know, inflation's been high. The rate's not as, as dramatic as it has been, but prices are still high. So I think for a lot of voters, affordability is a key issue. There are obviously other concerns, but I think a lot of people will be voting with their pocketbook th this time around. John Reitmeyer for us. John, thank you so much. You're welcome. For more on which candidate is running in your district and where you can vote, head to njspotlightnews.org and click on the NJ Decides 2023 tab for all your election needs. And make sure you join us right here next Tuesday, November 7th, for our live election night coverage, beginning with David Cruz at 8 p.m., and then I take over with a team of reporters and analysts starting at 9 p.m. 
Two decades after resigning from office, former Governor Jim McGreevy is looking to make a political comeback. The Democrat on Tuesday filed forms with the state's Election Law Enforcement Commission indicating he'll run for mayor of Jersey City in 2025. In an email to supporters, McGreevy said his campaign will bring, quote, the change we need to the city with promises to fight for more accountability, safer streets and to keep property taxes down for working families. Current Mayor Steve Fulop already announced he won't seek re-election and is instead running for governor. McGreevy appears to be the first announced candidate for the seat, but other contenders are expected. The 66-year-old started his political career as a legislator, then mayor of Woodbridge before becoming governor, which ended in 2004 when McGreevy came out as gay. According to his email invitation, a formal announcement in Jersey City is scheduled for next Thursday, November 9th, that's two days after the state's general election, to be made alongside McGreevy's sister Sharon and daughter Jacqueline. The first wave of Palestinian evacuees today made it through the Rafah crossing from Gaza to Egypt, the border opening to those fleeing for the first time since the outbreak of the Israel-Hamas war. After weeks of negotiations between the U.S., Israeli and Egyptian governments and Hamas with Qatar mediating the deal. U.S. citizens are confirmed to be among the more than 300 foreign nationals making up this initial group crossing the border. Dozens of other evacuees included critically wounded Palestinians who are now getting medical care in Egypt. It comes as the Israeli military claimed responsibility for an airstrike on the neighborhood of Jabalia, a refugee camp in Gaza City, killing dozens and wounding hundreds more, according to Palestinian officials, making it the third such strike on the densely packed area in the last 24 hours. Israel Defense Forces said the strike targeted and killed a top Hamas commander, but Hamas denies that claim. Gaza's health ministry says nearly 8,800 Palestinians have been killed in airstrikes since the conflict started three weeks ago, the result of an October 7th attack by Hamas that killed 1,400 Israelis. The war sparking outrage here at home and a nationwide walkout today at more than 100 colleges and universities, including Rutgers, where pro-Israel and pro-Palestinian groups have clashed. Senior correspondent Brenda Flanagan reports. Pull away, you can't hide. Pull away, you can't hide. You're supporting genocide. You're supporting genocide. Students for Justice in Palestine organized this demonstration, their second at the Rutgers New Brunswick campus, to demand the university dump its Israeli investments. The students joined a nationwide walkout at an estimated 100 campuses, all focused on the same goal, BDS, or Boycott Divestment Sanctions. No more money for Israel's crimes! No more money for Israel's crimes! We cannot allow it. We cannot stand for the kind of language and the kind of views at Rutgers that supports hate crimes towards us and towards our people or towards anybody. Over 8,000 people have been killed. 40% um, of homes have been demolished. And when the U.S. is funding that, when Rutgers is contributing to that, 
It's a shame. Students refused to show their faces, saying they've encountered Islamophobic reprisals even as they grieve for family in Gaza. If she says, I'm hurting, it sometimes feels like, well, you can't say that right now. You can't say to stop the bombing because that seemed is somehow anti-Semitic. Kaiser Islam's a chaplain at the Center for Islamic Life at Rutgers. He calls these protests displays of anger, like the call for intifada or a rebellion. They feel their humanity and their families' humanities are being stripped away from them. With each side entrenched, tensions keep rising at New Jersey's largest university, especially among students at Jewish centers here, including Chabad and Hillel houses for Jewish students. Some people, and there's a decent percentage, that are very outraged with what's going on and want to take a stance to whether it's a rally or a vigil. Outside the Chabad house, ripped up posters of Israelis taken hostage during the Hamas terror attack mark campus confrontation, says Rabbi Yosef Karlbach. And when some of our students were filming this person, or these people tearing down the signs, they were then verbally yelled at and, you know, uh, abused. The Rutgers protest comes as the war in Gaza rages on, driving a spike in hate crimes. Police yesterday charged a 21-year-old Cornell student in connection with online death threats against Jewish students there. At Rutgers... Some of the students are physically afraid to leave the building, and uh, when they go out, they want to go out with friends, and uh, they feel that the street or certain elements of the street uh, can cause them harm. The Anti-Defamation League reports an over 388% spike in anti-Semitic incidents across the U.S. since the October 7th Hamas attack compared to last year. As for the BDS movement... A movement which we consider to be anti-Semitic at its core uh, in that it uh, is is looking to delegitimize the state of Israel. Um, in terms of U.S. assistance, Hamas is not an entity that believes in the uh, in the two-state solution. They believe in wiping Israel off the map. Rutgers says its police department has increased security and patrols, especially around religious properties. It says it's also closely monitoring social media along with the FBI, state and federal agencies. Even amidst ramped up federal surveillance, some Muslims here at Rutgers complain authorities aren't addressing rising Islamophobia. They fear a retribution in terms of jobs, in terms of being doxxed. And on this very campus, just last week on Wednesday, we had a young Palestinian woman attacked by a random bystander. He says the attacker was arrested. As for the divestment rally, Rutgers says its investment policy encourages members of the university community to submit divestment requests and manages its endowment pursuant to the university's investment policy. Students didn't say whether they've actually submitted a formal divestment motion with the school. In New Brunswick, I'm Brenda Flanagan, NJ Spotlight News. The public is getting a rare peek into the state's prison system, which is typically closed off from the outside world. The newly created Office of the Corrections Ombudsperson just released its second annual report. The watchdog, tasked with protecting incarcerated people and recommending reforms, says it received thousands of complaints in the last year. As senior correspondent Joanna Gagas reports, the problems are largely unchanged from complaints received previously. Why are there so many grievances, right? Why, why are there 10,000 a year 
And those are the ones that people decide to reach out to the ombudsperson for. The ombudsman for the corrections office in New Jersey fields concerns and complaints from people in the state's prisons, as well as from their loved ones. It just released its annual report detailing what most of those calls are about. Property health care, housing and classification, communication with loved ones, and personal safety. The value of it is to give taxpayers a sense of how their money is being spent to open up the closed world and to highlight things that seem to be a problem. Just a few years ago, advocates would say most everything about New Jersey's correctional system was a problem. Some recent leadership changes, including a new commissioner of the Department of Corrections, Victoria Kuhn, as well as a new ombudsman, Terry Schuster, who has more authority in his role than those who came before him, have even the sharpest critics acknowledging some major changes. They're responding, they're inside of the prisons. And I think that leads to the second big takeaway, which is that they're they're repairing trust in the public and in the, the people in the facilities. They say detailed reports like this help everyone understand where improvements still need to be made. Personal property being stolen, lost or mishandled was the first. Second was healthcare. We get hundreds of contacts about people who are in prison who would like to see the doctor and they're not getting a response when they put in a sick call slip or they'd like to get a specialist visit. And the lack of mammograms uh, or in a completely inappropriate treatment for multiple sclerosis, uh, people needing dialysis. Uh, we get calls on everything from the medical care to the transportation. People don't have adequate health care when, when really, I mean, if you look at the state budget, the amount of money that we, that we put into health care and contracts with Rutgers, uh, correctional health care, that shouldn't happen either. Personal safety is fifth on the list, but a major concern to be addressed more broadly, says Amos Cayley. Just because somebody is incarcerated, does not mean that they forego their human rights to personal safety, right? Nobody should feel threatened. Schuster and those in his office see reports like this as a critical piece to working alongside the Department of Corrections as it works to make systemic changes. What we can do is look at trends and see, is this something that's really coming from one facility? Is this something that is system-wide? If so, can we kind of elevate it as a system-wide priority? It gives the Department of Corrections uh, it's an opportunity to say, you know what, this has to be changed. It, it gives the people an opportunity to say, you know what, you're doing this on my behalf and I prefer you do it this way. And it, it, provides, it provides openness in, in a system. You know, and I think that's a critical role. There's consensus that the goal of corrections should be to help someone choose a different path, which only serves the public good. If corrections creates opportunities, they will breed hope and hope will be the spark that ignites the flame of transformation. Just like data can be the light into areas that still need improvement. I'm Joanna Gagas, NJ Spotlight News. Congressman Josh Gottheimer is teaming up with the mayor of Fort Lee to take on New York City's congestion pricing plan. The political leaders today announced a lawsuit against the federal government, the Metropolitan Transportation Authority, the MTA, and the New York board tasked with setting the congestion tolls, arguing a plan to charge drivers entering Manhattan south of 60th Street up to $23 will increase pollution and traffic. 
for residents in North Jersey, especially Fort Lee. That's where the entrance to the GW Bridge is located. The suit was filed jointly in federal court by Mayor Mark Sokolich and a resident, Richard Goller, seeking to create a class of plaintiffs, including residents suffering from asthma and inconvenienced commuters. It contends the Federal Highway Administration failed to consider the safety and well-being of neighboring states and failed to conduct a thorough environmental review in the plan. The Murphy administration already sued the MTA in July to halt congestion pricing, making a similar argument. Today, Congressman Gottheimer argued the MTA is giving more than $130 million to the Bronx to mitigate air pollution, but none to New Jersey. Not a nickel to Jersey, not a nickel for environmental impacts or health impacts for our families, not a nickel to mitigate traffic. You think they'd be worried about our children? Apparently not. They're moving ahead and instead spreading their hush money to buy off the Bronx and elsewhere because they know what they're doing is wrong. Turning to Wall Street, stocks climbed after the Fed held interest rates steady today. Here's a look at how the markets closed. Support for the Business Report provided by the New Jersey Tourism Industry Association. NJTIA will host their New Jersey Conference on Tourism November 30th through December 1st at Resorts Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City. NJTIA.org for event information. And that's going to do it for us tonight. But make sure to tune in tomorrow night for Chatbox with David Cruz and the Fall Election Showdown. David hosts a political panel with GOP strategist Chris Russell and New Jersey State Democratic Committee Chairman Leroy Jones about what's at stake in next week's legislative elections and the issues expected to sway voters as they head to the polls. That's tomorrow night at 6 p.m. on the NJ Spotlight News YouTube channel. I'm Brianna Venozzi for the entire NJ Spotlight News team. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you right back here tomorrow night. NJM Insurance Group, serving the insurance needs of residents and businesses for more than 100 years. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. And by the PSEG Foundation. Life is unpredictable health insurance shouldn't be. For over 90 years, Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey has provided quality, affordable health plans to New Jersey residents. We have served generations of New Jersey families and businesses and are committed to driving innovations that put you at the heart of everything we do. Our members are our neighbors, our friends, and our families. We're here when you need us most. Horizon, proud to be New Jersey. Orsted will provide renewable offshore wind energy, jobs, educational, supply chain, and economic opportunities for the Garden State. Orsted, committed to the creation of a new, long-term, sustainable, clean energy future for New Jersey. Online at us.orsted.com.